P-E-T. M-X track. Two, four, six, eight. Who do we appreciate? Oysters, oysters, raw, raw, raw. Well, Coach Turf, you took your inept tech football team to Indiana Orthopedic University. IOU, that's right. We had a ball game against IOU last week. I was wondering what kind of game was it? Well, I'm glad you asked me that question because uh, it was a fine ball game. You know, uh, Oysters uh, played a real fine ball game, and I am real proud of the way the Oysters conducted themselves on the football field during the ball game. And, uh, of course, I owe you. They give us a fine ball game. And, uh, of course, what the fans seen, everything was all over, said, and done with was a fine ball game. Well, were you able to bring back that first win of the season? Well, no, I think what we did bring back instead was all that bad weather we had up there. We had a problem with that weather up there. You know, it was uh, storming, it was raining, it was cold. In fact, it was, it was downright bone-chilling up there for that ball game. And uh, we run into a problem because our uniforms was so clean. You know, Suds Bleachman did a heck of a job cleaning our uniforms. He did such a good job. In fact, he left a whole lot of soap in those rascals. And what happened was when that, when that rain hit them uniforms, all that soap in it made them real slippery. And that made it impossible for our boys to tackle their boys. And for, for that reason, I'm afraid to report that we didn't come back with a victory. So you might say equipment failure was part of the problem at IOU. Well, that's right. You know, if we'd had galoshes, we'd done a whole lot better. I'll be back with more. From Coach Art Turf, in just a moment. <laughs> Galoshes. Galoshes. Yeah. Sloshing along. Well, in honor of the Art Turf Day and the oysters, the Art Turf Show proudly sponsored by Chicken Nuggets. I don't understand. Instead of oysters. Okay. Well, Coach Turf, your team failed to bring back that first win of the season at IOU. I don't think you don't ever, have to keep rubbing it in, you know. I don't think we ever got a report on the uh, final score. Well, we like to put them scores in the past, but just for you and all of our listeners, I do want to point out to all the listeners that we do want to keep them updated on all the statistics. So let me look through these statistic sheets here real quick. Uh, well, that's right. Uh, the uh, it was a 49 and three ball game. Well, Coach, I know you told me that... But statistics, you can't you can't always depend on statistics to tell the story of the ball game. And I do want to tell all the fans it was a road ball game and none of them was there. And I do want to point out to all the fans that I am real proud of the way the Oysters conducted themselves on the football field. There's, they, they was uh, conducting themselves just like gentlemen the whole time. And I am real proud of the way they conducted themselves on the road trip. You told me last week that your scouting uh, coaches, Coach Lewis and Coach Clark, were having a little difficulty getting to IOU. Well, that's right. You know, uh, we had a real problem. We didn't have no game ball to award last week because uh, Coach Lewis and Coach Clark had to sell that rascal to get a couple bus tickets going up there and scout them boys up at IOU. And I and uh, we still hadn't heard from Coach Lewis and Coach Clark, so we're afraid that they absconded with the funds from the game ball and they're not long longer to be seen no more. Well, Coach, even without the benefit of a scouting report, you did tell me before the game you felt IOU owed you a victory. Well, that's right. You know, I was talking about that with Coach Marrow over at IOU, and he said he'd put it in the mail. Be listening again, sports fans, for the next thrill-packed interview with the head coach of the Fighting Oysters of Inept Tech, the coaching legend in his own mind, the one and only Coach Art Turf. In our 72nd year of serving Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. W-A-T-H-F-N's. Ah, yes, 37 degrees outside right now and cloudy. I bet you knew that. Headed up to 49, our high today, 58 tomorrow, 72 on Wednesday. Sort of a yo-yo effect here. Yo-yo? Yeah, that's right. The thing that spins with a string? Yeah. That would be it. Why do I use that term yo-yo 72 on Wednesday, 74 next Monday, a week from today, 75 next Tuesday. So um, 
you, you see it comes up and down, up and down, up and down. And that's one of those things about weather, isn't it? We do yes. have a caller already. Good All morning, right. good morning, good morning. Tickety poo. Tickety poo. Yes, sir. I just got a question to ask. How many first year coaches ever wanted to end CAA? Well, I was going to turn to Scott here a moment ago and, and say, let's talk about all of that. And um, so, th- so this is a good opening. You're on the same track as I was. Well, they say great minds run together. <laughs> Thank How about you. that one? I'll take the compliment. I don't know who got elevated there. Yeah, well, I, I think it. <laughs> uh, well, you're kind to say that, but truly, this is uh, Scott. You, I was going to turn to you and say, let's talk about sports. All right. So, yeah, I'll, I'll first of all, he's posed this question, and. Um, so put that in perspective for us. Steve Fisher at Michigan is the only one to ever have done it in 1989. Now Hubert Davis at North Carolina has a chance to do it tonight. Right. I just wonder how many. So yeah. he, he'd be number two. He's like Avis. He's going to try harder. Yay. There you go. <laughs> oh, yes. I remember. It. What was that? Avis commercial car oh, yeah. rental. Yes. We try harder. So let's let's describe the matchups now. We we're down to the final game, right? Eight o'clock tonight. North Car- North Carolina and Kansas. Okay. Yeah, is it on TBS tonight? Yes. What I thought. Yeah. Usually yeah. CBS had it, but TBS had the uh, they uh, had the Final Four beginning Saturday night. Wow. That was a great game, the Duke-UNC game. My goodness, that one certainly lived up to the billing. Yeah, I was kind of hoping Coach K would get in the final that way and hope he'd win it and go out, you know, champion. But man's had a good good legacy. Oh, my goodness, yes, and has become a multimillionaire because of that, too. <laughs> Definitely, for sure. Yeah. He started out at uh, Army, I think, coaching under Bobby Knight as an assistant. So Coach K's done, right? Yes, and, and I don't know if you know the trivia behind this, but his first ever loss was to North Carolina, and his last loss at Cameron Indoor Stadium, the home of Duke University, was and his last game there was to North Carolina. That was the last game he ever coached there. And yeah. then Saturday night, his last loss of his career was against North Carolina. Yeah. Some people just got your number. You got that right. That's like, well, WBU and, and uh, Syracuse. Wasn't that who uh, – oh, man, now I'm, I'm telling my age. <laughs> Doug Flutie, he played. You know, he played for Boston College, didn't he? Doug Flutie. Yeah. Yeah. Cause see, he was <clears throat> all the years he played at Boston College. I don't understand why, but it, with WBU could have a lousy record, but they'd beat BC. Doug Flutie has never beat West Virginia. Yeah, isn't that something? I mean, yeah. That happens even at a professional level, but some. Quarterbacks, you know, the other team just has has their number. Yep. But yeah, that does happen. I mean, you look at look at even the Ohio State Michigan series back and forth. I mean, it went years there where Michigan won every year in the uh, what the the early mid late nineteen eighties. Yes. And then when Jim Tressel got there, you know, all of a sudden it turned. Then the Buckeyes won many years in a row until last year. Yeah. So it's just amazing. John Cooper is one that could he could never beat Michigan. No, he couldn't. No matter how he tried. Yep. And that was one of his downfalls. He he couldn't beat that team up north, as Woody I, used to say. <laughs> okay, so I got a question. On television, they're promoting this big Ohio thing up at um, 
what's the name of the big arena in Columbus? The Schottenstein Center? Yeah. And it's the Ohio versus Ohio. And, and it looks like it's high school students and then some other group. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, I no, I don't. Well, I'm just trying to figure out who it is that's playing. Um, if you get a chance, Google it and see see what this is all about. But they're they're promoting they're promoting it heavily. Okay. And well, I've never heard that one, huh? And it, I just don't understand who it is we're we're going to be watching. Anyway, all right. Well, listen. Right. Um, One other question. Go for it. When does the new football league start? Uh, I think it starts. Uh, I think this this month actually. I want to say uh, April seventeenth. I think it's okay. on on a uh, Sunday. When they're going to try to start, it's either sixteenth or seventeenth. I think. And what is this? Oh, it's a new league. I, it's kind of like that USFL league that uh, that played for a few years and then fizzled. Uh, so it's kind of like an offshoot of that. They're trying to resurrect that. Yeah, so, make football all year round. Okay, okay. Which I don't mind. I'd love it. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be called the USFL again. Yeah. Yeah, they're scheduled to begin uh, the 16th, actually. These are the these players will be the ones that didn't make it in the big in the NFL. Yeah, uh, pretty much, and and yep. uh, some of the ones that still think they can play. <laughs> well, I know I'm not. I I'm with you. I'm out too. <laughs> okay, I'll let y'all get on with what you usually do. So okay, I think maybe Art Turf should get an entry into that league. What do you think? No, Don. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've been list, I've never heard him win a game yet. <laughs> not one. Uh, you may not either. He keeps them <laughs> close sometimes, but uh, yeah. close but no cigar. Pretty much, yes. All right, you guys have a great Alrighty. day. I enjoy listening. Thank you. Thank you. You have a great day too, buddy. All righty. Well, let's see here, folks. Today is April fourth. We hadn't really mentioned that yet. Um, one one more thing, if before we get to that, uh, some folks about I've been getting this question a lot about Ohio coach Jeff Bowles leaving Ohio University. Now we know we've had a couple of their best players transfer, in Ben Vanderplas and um, Mark Sears have announced that they are transferring. Something tells me that if these two guys are leaving the program, that it must be something going on behind the scenes. Uh, Coach Bowles is getting offers from bigger schools, and his name was uh, part, two-name part of being mentioned as the next head coach at Butler University in Indiana. Now, Connor said on his sports report, Ohio fans can breathe a sigh of relief, that uh, they hired Thad Mata, former Ohio State coach, who mm -hmm. played at Butler and also coached at Butler. But Jeff might be out of that running, but it doesn't mean his name isn't being mentioned for other head coaching jobs. So right now, Jeff is still the Ohio head coach. Uh, but again, when Connor mentioned they can breathe a sigh of relief, fans can do that. You know, I was thinking about Coach Bowles, too, and his assistants. I know I've said this previously. When you get a head coaching gob, uh, job, I mean – OU, OU uh, unfortunately, is not a final end-all coaching position here. It's a stepping stone, like all MAC schools are. It's not just uh, only Ohio. A lot of schools have their coaches move on to bigger schools. That's just the nature of the business. Okay, they want to better themselves. They want to get to a bigger school. And they want to help their assistants their assistants have families too. So every head coach thinks about that because because of the success of a head coach, it happens a lot from their assistants and their head coaches 
always try to think of that whenever they're being considered for a bigger school. And we all remember when John Gross went to Illinois. You know, he took Dustin Ford and Jamal Walker with him. They loved that, that they were getting an opportunity. Their families were going to be better off. Now, it didn't work out at Illinois more than his contract. However, again, yeah, we can breathe a sigh of relief, but, you know, the, the head coach and assistant coaches all want to try to better themselves too and their families. So, you know, hold on to that thought for now. That, uh, But as of right now, Jeff's still the head coach at Ohio. It remains to be seen what, what happens now in the offseason. Traditionally, college coaches get hired at the Final Four. I mean, every athletic director uh, that wants to go can go to that. Uh, they, they meet with coaches not that, that are not teams in the Final Four. I mean, uh, that's how ADs find coaches a lot of times. They do. They have a headhunter seek them out, and they say, you know, I'll meet you at the uh, – if you're going to be at the Final Four, we can meet, you know, off-site off somewhere in a conference hotel, uh, a hotel conference room or something like that. So, and you're seeing a lot of that too. And this, this is what happens, you know, hence the Thad Mata hiring at Butler. So, hold but, on to your seats. Okay, how much more of the final four is there left? Well, just tonight. Yeah. But, I mean, it's been going on, you know, all weekend. Okay. So, they're, they are still there. Um, it doesn't always happen during the weekend of the final four. But a lot of them do. So, we'll see what happens. You know, I must be old-fashioned or nuts or something but let's think back to Jim Snyder okay he was at Ohio forever right pretty much yeah he was there for a long time and he had a lot of success yes uh to just sort of jump around, skip around to different jobs just because of money. I, I don't know. I'd rather be someone who had years of success with the same team. You know what I mean? Well, sure. I mean, you look at Coach K, but he was compensated very well for that too. Um, you look at a guy uh, at Wright State, uh Scott, I can't think of his name right now, but he's been at Wright State for years Mm -hmm. and would make a terrific Division I head coach. Uh, But I think he's chose to stay there. Scott Nagy, I think is his last name, N-A-G-Y. He got him in the NCAA tournament again this year. Um, He incidentally lost one of his, his best player probably to Ohio State over the weekend. He transferred to Ohio State. So he'll have two years of eligibility left there. However, with the coaching situation, again, you know, the assistants are a big part of a head coach, obviously, and they want to take care of them the best they can. But, uh, you know, that's an exception to the rule about Coach K being compensated very well. Not a lot of coaches get into a situation like that. Well. But, uh, you know, when Coach Snyder left, I think there were budget issues, if I remember correctly. I think the athletics department budget was being cut way back. And not only did he call it quits, but uh, Bob Wren did as well. And, uh, well, Bill Hess stayed on, but then he passed, I think, in, what, 76, 77, something like that. So... You know, it, it, there there are other factors involved, other variables involved with coaches staying, coaches going, and a lot of times schools will compensate a coach uh, at, with a bonus for staying. I mean, if they let's say they interviewed somewhere and they decided to stay where they are, a, a school uh, will write that in a contract. You know, if you or offered another position somewhere, decide to stay, we'll give you X amount of dollars for staying. Right. Right. So it depends on how contracts are written and the verbiage in them. 
Well, it's a business. I mean, there's no oh, I, no I way get, of getting I, around I it. It's it. it's a business now. That's it's, just um, uh, we don't have to talk about Ohio numbers unless we know them. But uh, some of these collegiate head coaches, what what kind of money are they making? Uh, I want to say Coach K was probably in the ten million dollar range annually. Annually, yeah. Plus, you know, they have TV and radio contracts. They have shoe contracts, equipment contracts, um, wardrobe contracts, and you know, and they they're able to do commercials now if they want to. You've seen probably seen Coach K in a, a commercial for I think it's Progressive Insurance. Okay something like that, so they're able to pad their salaries that way. Now, you're not going to do that here in Athens, obviously. Um, The best thing a coach could probably get here, and I speak from my days, you know, in the athletics department, they'll get a shoe contract. They'll get a a radio show contract. Um, They'll get an an attire contract. They'll get bonuses written in if they, for instance, uh, make the MAC tournament if they get into the football championship game, speaking of football, uh, they even have uh, clauses written in about rankings. If they make the top 20, you get a certain bonus for that. Top 10, certain bonus for that. Uh, so uh, there's all kinds of incentives in coaches' contracts to go along with their salaries. Well... Um, you know, we hear about certain schools going through uh, difficult financial times, and I just wonder how they get around all of that with the athletic department. Yeah. Some of the money comes from donations. Uh, each, each sport has what they, what they call private money that mm-hmm. they can use however they wish. And there's also the public money side of it that's funded by the university. Mm-hmm. Um, my guess is, depending on how a contract's written, a lot of it could be private money that is funding some of these clauses. And, you know, you've, we've also heard of coaches being bought out by alumni, you know, who are tired of losing. So they get in touch with the school and say, if I can raise. X amount of million dollars, are you? Would you consider making a coaching change? And unfortunately, that does happen. Hmm. So donors get together, and you know if they're not having a good year of school or season, not having a good year, or they haven't had for three, four, five years. Um, you know, the alumni have ways of getting together because the school, quite frankly, can't afford the buyout of some of the contracts they've signed these coaches to so they have to rely on private sources to do that and quite frankly i'm one that comes to mind is a jim harbaugh football coach at michigan Mm -hmm. Uh, he has not done what they thought he could do there at michigan until uh, he hadn't beaten ohio state until last season and i think that was his probably fourth or fifth season and uh, there was talk that you know he was probably going to be out the door after last season. So my thoughts are that the Ohio State victory probably saved his job there. Now, they did rework his contract uh, before this past season started. I think they cut his salary uh, pretty much in half to keep him there, to allow him to stay there. Now, he was rumored to be going to the NFL this past season after college football season, and it was pretty much a lock that he was going to be the next head coach of the Minnesota Vikings. But all of a sudden, uh, in 24 hours, uh, apparently the Vikings didn't see eye to eye with him. And then he turns around and says, Michigan is where I've always wanted to be. <laughs> well, if that's the case, why were you interviewing with the Vikings? So, you know, it's just this, this I call it sensationalism of things like that that go on. And, you know, a coach has to say stuff like that when he gets turned down for a job like that. But uh, anyway, it's just I'm I'm surprised that they hung on to him for as long as they did. Now, 
for me, I feel like that Jim Harbaugh still wants to be in the NFL and take a shot at winning the Super Bowl. He almost did at San Francisco. Then he was let go there. He became a coach at Michigan. But I think he still has a taste for coaching in the NFL. So we'll see what happens. And incidentally, coaching salaries, um, the, the base salary of the highest paid coaches, Coach K at Duke, um, $9 million. John Calipari at Kentucky, $7.5 million. Chris Holtman at Ohio State, $7.2 million. Bill Self at Kansas, $4.8 million. That's their base salary. And wow. Bill Self actually is in one of the coaches in tonight's game at Kansas. We have a caller. Good morning. Good morning. Um, and I'll admit at the beginning, I know very little about sports, but I'm always amazed with the facts and figures that I just heard. Mm-hmm. So this is not really about the sport. It's really about the money. Is that the conclusion I could draw safely? It's a business now. Yes, that, that would be a fair assumption. And do most of these coaches earn more than the president of a university? Absolutely. Absolutely. They're the, you, typically that? the highest paid salary at a university, particularly a football coach. What are we teaching these people that we're now paying yeah. them all this money? Yeah, it, it makes you question the priorities. They have two arms and two legs, right, generally speaking. <laughs> yeah. Why are they worth more than somebody else? Yeah. I don't get that. So well, they must be me. <laughs> well, you're not alone. I mean, a lot of people think that, and... You know, they, they question, uh, is is the salary of a coach substantiated each year? Now, they do they do say it's good PR for a, a university or a college, but I'm not sure if I've ever heard a, a very talented academic student say, I'm going to go to Duke University because of their football program. You know, a, a top-notch engineering student. They're not going to say that, but, you know, it does. They're on TV every week. It's publicity. They generate a lot of revenue that, for instance, Ohio State spreads around their football revenue every year. And not a lot of people know this. I think I've mentioned this before. But the Ohio State Athletic Department generates millions in football revenue, which supports the entire athletic department. And they really rely on no public funding but obviously they're eligible for it but they spread it around to other academic units also not just their athletic department my last research showed i think there were 21 different academic departments on campus that were receiving money from the ohio state football program in scholarship money they were they donated the athletics department donated it to these academic units I don't, I'm not sure what we're telling a, a, uh, an athletic person uh, when we pay these kinds of dollars. And we're putting to the – we've actually let go here at Ohio University, I understand, in the last few years, some of the best talented people in terms of faculty. Now, how do you justify – I don't expect you to do so, but how <laughs> would one actually justify that when a university should really be about what it's teaching children that are still children, you know, when they come in uh, – about the world. They're teaching them that money means everything. And I, th- I thought that's not what we're supposed to be doing in a higher education uh, setting. I, I don't know. I just must be me. <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of people, you're not alone again, as I mentioned. And then, and then a lot of people will question, you know, why are we having this speaker on campus or why are we teaching this theory in this class and why am I paying my tuition dollars for my son or daughter to be taught things? that they are being taught. I mean, you know, you could go on and on. It'd be better to put that kind of money on the school, on the uh, um, doctors, you know, who are going out into the world and maybe making something that will save a whole lot of people's lives. Wouldn't that be nice if we could make that transition? Yes. Well, you let me know if you know anybody who has the power to do that. (laughs) (laughs) You'll tell us on the air and share that. I thank you very much for my my question. Oh, sure. You're welcome. Have a good day, both of you. Thank you. You too. Thank Thank you. you. All right. Well, yeah. So a big night tonight. Yes. And uh, we have one or two playoffs tonight. 
This is it. Just one game. Just one. This is for all the, all, all the marbles. All the marbles. Yes, all the hardware, the marbles, the national championship, the banner that will be hanging in the rafters of one of those schools next year. All right. Well, April 4th is National School Librarian Day. It's National Walk Around Things Day. <laughs> and as opposed to walking through, through them. Through them, yes. <laughs> National Vitamin C Day. That's a good thing. Jeep 4x4 Day. That's a fun thing. Indeed. National Hug a News Person Day. Where's River? I think he is next door in production okay. with the sheriff. Oh, well, they can hug. Yeah, they can. National Chicken Cordon Bleu Day. Yum. And since we're on it, let's see, did I bring in yesterday? No, I guess I didn't. But uh, that's that's uh, all the things for April 4th. <clears throat> now, on this day in history, Let's see historically what we've got. In the year 1581, Francis Drake, knighted by Queen Elizabeth I, aboard the Golden Hind at Deptford. In the year 1655, by, by the way, Drake was a very distant uh, okay, the Drake name is in our family, my mother's side. Very prominent. And um, this would have been my adopted mother. Um, but uh, Drake, Drake, that was the family thing. Okay. Sounds good. 1655, <clears throat> the Battle of Postage Farina. Tunis. English fleet, fleet beats Barbary pirates. 1789, the first U.S. Congress begins regular sessions. During George Washington's presidency at Federal Hall, New York City, uh, ending in 1791. That's right, the original Congress met in New York, not Washington. 1949, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, also known as NATO, probably better known as NATO, the treaty was signed in Washington, D.C. 1968, civil rights activist Martin Luther King Jr. is assassinated by James Earl Ray at the Lorraine Hotel in Memphis, Tennessee. Two more. 1973, the World Trade Center, then the world's tallest building, opens in New York, 110 stories it is, but was later destroyed in the 9-11 terrorist attack. Uh, it said, then the world's tallest building. Is there a building that stands today that exceeds that? I wonder. Which building was it? The World Trade Center. Oh, yes. I think there's one in, uh, hmm, I want to say Mumbai. Okay. Saudi Arabia. Final item Somewhere today. In the year 1975. Microsoft is founded as a partnership between Bill Gates and Paul Allen to develop and sell basic interpreters for the Altair 8800. Okay, some famous birthdays. Let's see here. Where to begin? We'll, we'll just not try to figure that out. We'll just do them. Anthony Perkins. This is a picture of a young man um, that I see here. He was born in 1932 and died in 1992. So uh, this must have been somewhere during his younger years, this photograph. Anthony Perkins. He was an American actor, director, and singer. 
He is regarded as an influential figure in popular culture for his work in horror films, where he often played distinctive villainous roles. Though he was most renowned during the days of his stardom for playing romantic leads. Some of his works include Psycho, Psycho 2, Psycho 3, and guess what? Psycho 4. Imagine that. <laughs> you know, a movie named Psycho, I'm just not sure I would go see. Yeah, I think I'd pass on that as well. He was also in uh, Murder on the Orient Express. Well, that was a good one. Yeah, Hitchcock. Mm-hmm. Um, the Ten Star, Friendly Persuasion, Goodbye Again. Pretty Poison, and On the Beach. Anthony Perkins. All right, next is Heath Ledger. Heath was born in 1979, died in 2008. Heath Andrew Ledger was an Australian actor, music video director after playing roles in several Australian TV and film productions during the 1990s. Ledger moved to the United States in 1998 to develop his film career. Some of his movies include The Dark Knight, Brokeback Mountain, Ten Things I Hate About You, and A Knight's Tale. And uh, he uh, passed, well, soon. And um, I'm trying to find out uh, what he died from, but it's not giving me what happened. Okay. Well, let's see here. 79, 89, 99. So he lived uh, 28 years. Not very long. No, not very long. Unless I did my math wrong. Anyway, let's keep going. Uh, This next one, I don't have a clue. Caracalla? Caracalla. 188 A.D. was his birth. 217 A.D. his death. C-A-R-A-C-A-L-L-A. Caracalla, another granite head. Formerly known as Marcus Aurelius Antoninus, <laughs> uh, Caracalla is easier, I guess, was a Roman emperor from 198 to 217. He was a member of the Severan dynasty, the elder son of Septimius Severus, and Julia Domna, both very well known in our legacy. The final birthday today, that of Robert Downey Jr., who's celebrating his 57th birthday today. Robert Downey Jr. is an American actor and producer. His career has been characterized by critical and popular success in his youth, followed by a period of substance abuse and legal troubles before resurgence, of commercial success later in his career. Some of his movies include Iron Man, The Avengers, Endgame, Sherlock Holmes, and Iron Man 3. Two famous deaths we have to bring up today. First is that of Carl, spelled with a K, Benz, B-E-N-Z, who was born in 1844 but died on this date in 1929. Do we want to guess Mercedes-Benz? Possibly. Let's check it out. Carl Friedrich Benz, sometimes also known as Carl Friedrich Benz, that's quite a change, isn't it? Was a German engineer, designer, and automotive engineer. There we go. His Benz patents motor car from 1885 is considered the first practical automobile and first car put into series production. He received a patent for the motor car in 1886. Wow. And this last one, Martin Luther King Jr. Born in 1929, died on this date in 1968. Of course, we all know the late Martin Luther King Jr. as an American Baptist minister and activist who became the most visible spokesman and leader in the civil rights movement from 1955 until his assassination in 1968. I have a dream, remember? That's it. One of the most famous lines ever spoken. Civil rights campaigner. 
He was standing on a motel balcony when he was shot. And that occurred in Memphis, Tennessee. Hmm. Let's see here. Two months later, Bobby Kennedy was assassinated in Los Angeles. Um, They've been showing a lot of Doris Day things on TV recently. And I suppose, I I was wondering why, but first of all, uh, they're really fun shows to watch. But now I understand because her birthday would have been yesterday. She was born on this date, but yesterday's date in 1922. By the way, Marlon Brando, also born on this date, but in 1924. Okay. Let's see here. I guess that's good for that report. Let's check the news out a bit. Um, if you've been watching any of the networks, they have shown video of mass graves. Have you seen those? Yes. Not a... Not a pleasant Not a good thing. thing. No. Um, this first report comes from Kiev. Ukrainian forces retook the region surrounding the capital city of Kiev over the weekend as Russian forces with reportedly withdrew to refocus on regions in the east part of the country. Reports of civilian casualties have emerged, including hundreds killed in the town of Buka, is it? B-U-C-H-A? I think that's it. The town's mayor said Ukrainian forces had buried at least 280 people in mass graves. The findings spurred many officials to accuse Russia and President Vladimir Putin of possible war crimes. Separately, Russia carried out air raids against the southern port city of Odessa amid its retreat from the northern part of the country. In the southeast, aid groups were forced to halt evacuation efforts in the city of Maripol amid Russian shelling. Maripol sits between the Russian-controlled Crimean Peninsula and the contested Donbass region. Well, we already talked about um, South Carolina's big win. uh, Well, no, we were... That's in women's basketball. Yes. Um, we, I guess we primarily talked about the men's earlier. Yeah. Um, they beat Connecticut 64-49. to 49. That's decisive. That game was last night. And... Um, it's a good game. And then South Carolina started pulling away. Mm-hmm. Destiny Henderson, right? Destiny Henderson. Yes. Was South Carolina's um, senior who scored 26 points in 34 minutes of play. She also was credited with four assists and three steals. Great player. And as we already mentioned, on the men's side, number eight, North Carolina, beat rival number Duke, number two, Duke, 81 to 77 last night. No, no, Saturday night. That was a great game. I mean, I know I said that previously, but it went back and forth. And the last, gee whiz, 10 minutes was, those are the fun games to watch. I mean, they're all fun to watch, but this one had 
some really pumped up added excitement to it. Once again, uh, the Tar Heels will face number one Kansas, who beat the number two Villanova um, in the championship game tonight at 9.20 Eastern Time. That can be seen on Turner Broadcasting System, TBS. 9.20. Mm-hmm. I don't know why they don't start those earlier. I know it's probably for the West, West Coast. The West but, Coast, yeah. You know. Well, let's see. I forgot all about this. We didn't take it in at all, and I'm, I wish I had seen a bit of it. The 64th Annual Granny, Grammys were last uh, night. John P- Batiste, right? Yes. Picked up five trophies, including top prize of Album of the Year. Trevor Noah um, from The Daily Show, he's a comedian. It marked, um, he was the host. It also marked the first time the ceremony had been held in Las Vegas after plans were shifted due to, ja- due to the January wave of COVID-19 infections. Let's see. Other big winners included Silk Sonic, the duo of Bruno Mars and Anderson um, Paak, P-A-A-K, Paak, 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 I don't know, who won records and um, Song of the Year. Anyway, Olivia Rodrigo, Kanye West, all sorts of people mentioned here. Oh, Will Smith, right? We know why. We know what happened in the um, Academy Awards, right? Yes. Uh, he has resigned. From the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences amid fallout from his onstage slap of Chris Rock at last week's Oscars. So, so much for that. Yeah, incidentally, when you were talking about tallest buildings in the world a little while ago. Yeah. Did a little research here. The One World Trade Center, which is 1,776 feet tall, 1776, and that was done on purpose to build it at that height, is the seventh tallest building in the world. And then after that, no other American skyscraper appears until number 28 and number 29 in New York City. 111 West 57th Street. And then also one Vanderbilt in New York City. The tallest building, there's also, well, let's see, three or four of them after that. The tallest building in the world um, is in Dubois, and that's what I was searching for in the UAE, United Arab Emirates. And that is a building called Burj Khalifa. It stands 2,717 feet tall. That's almost half a mile. That's a little higher than half a mile. Yes. Well, in short, um, I'm changing topics here because we're short on time. The fight between democracy and autocracy is happening not only in the Ukraine. Uh, It may be the central front, but uh, there's also things going on elsewhere. It's also happening within several European democracies. though elections rather than military conflict. Smart. Um, 
fact, uh, Hungary and Serbia may have uh, actually accomplished that yesterday. I look at the clock and I'm out of time. So, folks, we'll pick up on more of this maybe tomorrow. Have a great day, won't you? In our 72nd year of serving Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. WHAH FNs. This is CBS News on the Hour, presented by Indeed.com. <laughs> Ukraine's President Vladimir Zelensky visiting the town of Bucha outside Kiev today, where dozens of corpses, some with hands bound, were discovered after Russian troops withdrew. Zelensky says it's proof of war crimes and says they make it more difficult con to continue talks with the Kremlin. Russia claims images are staged fakes. Correspondent Holly Williams is in southeastern Zaporizhia. In the town of Bucha, the streets are littered with bodies in civilian clothing. Some, with their hands tied behind their back, appear to have been executed. Others are buried in a mass grave. More than 300 residents were killed, according to the mayor. Liz Throssel is spokeswoman for the UN's human, uh, High Commissioner for Human Rights. Reports emerging from this and other areas raise serious and disturbing questions about possible war crimes. Lawmakers on the Senate Judiciary Committee are meeting this hour ahead of a vote on Supreme Court nominee Ketanji Brown-Jackson. Correspondent Nicole Killian is on Capitol Hill. If the committee splits in a tie, Democrats can still advance her nomination and are planning a floor vote later this week. Jackson is expected to have the backing of Democrats and at least one Republican, Maine Senator Susan Collins, which would allow her to be confirmed with at least some bipartisan support.